Recording live from the Hoban Law Group here in Denver, Colorado, I'm your host, Eric Singular. We're sitting alongside president and founder of the Hoban Law Group, Bob Hoban. Today we're talking about terpenes, and we are joined by the founder of Cultivating Spirits and the Cannabis Wedding Expo, Philip Wolf. Philip, thank you for being here with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be sitting with you two, being able to just talk about terpenes. I mean, I think it's the most important aspect of cannabis and it's not talked about enough. So I appreciate you guys bringing me in. So, so starting with that topic, right? Yeah. Uh, I always, I often look at the different parts of the plant and, you know, just in terms of what is the market demand, so forth and so on. And I've never tried to verify this data, but brokers out there that move those products, the most valuable part of the industrial hemp plant by weight would be terpenes, mm-hmm. as I understand it, mm-hmm. based on the demand, because uh, the terpenes from hemp, for example, can be removed, um, then separated into individual terpenes, and oftentimes they're added back in in vape pens, mm-hmm. right? They're added back into things. But terpenes are terpenes, aren't they? Aren't terpenes just present in any plant? Is there anything special about terpenes from cannabis? What is a terpene? I, I, that's a lot to throw at you, Philip. But the, this is this is kind of where we, we've got to start, right? Well, we all under, we all hear about them, but but t- tell us what terpenes are at at their core. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the simple answer is yes, they are very special. But let's get deep with it, you know. Um, so terpenes are organic compounds that exist within cannabis, but they exist within every single flower and plant and fruit that's in the world. And so in the natural world, they're used to attract pollinators, detract predators. They're used within plants to fight diseases. And they have a major purpose throughout the whole plant's life span. You know, it, it changes their terpene profiles based on what the plant actually needs. And so the aromas that you smell, those are the terpenes. Now, um, within cannabis, um, you know, combined with THC, you know, it, it combines into the entourage effect and the feeling that you actually have when consuming. I, I was going to ask you about that. So, 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 so yeah, the entourage effect, yep. we all think of the entourage effect. It's THC makes everything better. At least that's how it's, you know, people mm-hmm. generally would understand it. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that, how terpenes actually have a, have play a large part in that. Yeah. I mean, to me, they play the larger part, um, than, than THC does. And so, um, THC just gives you the euphoric effect. It makes you feel high. It gives you a, it, it's a general feeling. It THC doesn't make you want to go to bed. You know, it doesn't make you that sedative feeling. It's the terpenes that actually, is it the mercy? Mercine is, is the most sedative terpene uh, that's out there. All right, so I jumped ahead, and I the mean, most common terpene at that. All right, so is mercine. So what are the, what are the terpenes that are lar- that have the largest presence in the cannabis plant? Yeah, so they say there's about 16 dominant. There's about 220 um, that exist within cannabis as we know of today. Um, and so some of the larger ones are linalool. So that's lavender. Um, what you find in lavender, um, limonene, terpenaline, um, eucalyptical, um, mercine, like you said, um, karyophylline. Um, and is, is mercine really the way it's been described to me? It's kind of it is that it's that sleepy. It's that, you know, not necessarily during the high, but following the high. It's that I'm just, you know, 
Is, is that is that c- correct to characterize Mersin as having that primary impact mm-hmm. or or, or what? I would I would say Mersin hits you more in the front part and makes you really sedative and tired. You know, and and I and I feel like you know come downs can give you that foggy slumberness depending on who you are. And now all of this is relative to the consumer, right? So you got to think of their body and you got to think of set and setting. Um, like a lot of people know. And so that, you know, for the set part of that is your mindset. So what's the mindset that you're going into it? And then what are your surroundings? You know, if you smoke and you just go sit on the couch to watch TV, you know, a lot of times it's not going to matter what the terpene profile is. You're just going to be in <laughs> in the TV at that point in time. But if you learn about different terpenes and how they can make you feel, now you can consume them in a mindful way to enhance certain um, experiences and not take away from them and also add benefit to them. So I want to draw attention to something that that I think is really interesting, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna use the example of two. Uh, popular strains of uh, marijuana one would be lemon skunk and the other would be blueberry kush and so it's my understanding from this conversation that we're having about terpenes that the names of a lot of strains of marijuana actually come from terpene profiles they're not those smells those aromas the hint of blueberry that's in blueberry kush the elements of lemon and citrus that's in lemon skunk it's not from the cannabinoids. CBD, for example, doesn't produce that aroma. CBN, THC. It's really these these compounds, uh, which actually bring the name to the the way we distinguish and differentiate and ultimately identify these strains of marijuana. This is actually what's kind of behind the curtain. So, just wanted to. Yeah, yeah. yeah, put that out there a little bit. So, so terpenes, though. So, to your point, right? It, it's it, terpenes have given rise to names in part because you know the the the, the lemon skunk's got the the skunk and the, the lemon sort of uh, uh, bitterness, if you will. But at the end of the day, is it are terpenes limited to just taste and and, and, and smell? Is it, is it taste and smell, or is it? Uh, you know, because that—that's another sort of naive well, or just you know maybe misunderstood p- way to describe it. Terpenes are taste and smell. It's they're far more than that, right? Well, yeah, they are far more than that. And, and so, first off, they produce the aromas, and so seventy percent of our taste comes from smell, right? And so, so they don't necessarily produce a flavor, but they give you the perception of flavor through the smell of them, right? Um, and so they also help with like fighting diseases. I mean, they, they have a really major medical benefit. And, and for my, um, you know, I conduct these dinners, um, where we do these tastings and we do these pairing dinners through smoking, um, where we pair terpene profiles of cannabis with flavor profiles of food to harmonize and enhance. And I don't try to play the doctor like, Oh, this terpene is going to fix this. You know, we have a lot more. What I try to do is come out from the lifestyle standpoint so i focus on the type of energies or the type of feelings that cannabis give you opposed to the medical benefits that it can give you and so you can literally identify certain aromas of cannabis associate that with terpenes and then understand how that's going to make you feel 
And so with our dinners, you know, we really try to give people the overarching idea that you can consciously consume cannabis to enhance a situation opposed to something that will take away from it. And so that's how I like to look at them. You know, I have a feeling once, you know, this becomes a, you know, this isn't a scheduled one narcotic or, you know, Mississippi gives up their rights to be the only <laughs> people to grow 8% THC cannabis, sure, you know, or whatever sure. that joke is that we'll find a lot more benefits in it. But Honestly, whenever I started doing my research and we spoke about the strain names and and so people um, identified certain qualities of the cannabis and then would create a name around that. Right. And so within lemon skunk, well, they smelled a lot of limonene. Um, and so that's lemon citrus smells that you get within it. But I, th that, those growers at the time didn't know that limonene was producing the lemon smells and they call it lemon skunk. That's just what they smelled and that's what they perceived. And whenever they did it and then the skunk was, you know, something that, um, they, you know, genetics that they crossbred and along the line. And so, um, so that's where I would see it. But whenever I started doing these dinners in 2014, you know, there was no such thing as a cannabis pairing out there at the time. And I, when I originated our concepts, I could not find any information on terpenes, you know, like Kyle Cushman maybe had like one article about it. And it was just very leafly had like one article about it. It was just very limited. So I actually started studying essential oils. And so essential oils are created out of terpenes. And so as you use essential oils, which I don't know if anyone in this room does, but um, they're, they're fantastic for aromatherapy. And so I really started studying those and, under, and then really associating on feelings. And so I'm like, wait, lavender essential oil is the most probably the most popular essential oil. Well, that's linalool and linalool is what gives you that relaxing feeling at the end of the day whenever you're using lavender um, essential oil and and that's a very uh, it's a smell that a lot of people can really um, pick up right away and so I kind of started there and just started going down the rabbit hole and I was like wow like we're really on to something and luckily over the past three years the industry is really starting to see the benefits of terpenes because I think when consuming cannabis it's the most important aspect to look for you know opposed so, so to THC to, percentage to that point right you talked about THC earlier THC produces the psychoactive or, uh, or the psychotropic uh, uh, impact the effect the high um the idea of, of the smell and the flavor uh, when you're consuming it, particularly when you consume it by smoking, right? It's that enhances, that produces a different effect. Um, how do how do you how do you view that? How do you how do you describe that to mm -hmm. the listeners? That you know this this it's not just oh this has forty one percent THC or something like that. It's it's these other components add to that that feeling, that experience, that effect. Yeah. So when we start off with our dinners, I mean, we kind of, um, you know, dive in that there's really three compounds that give you the feeling that you feel. And it's, you know, cannabinoids are one, which THC is a cannabinoid, um, which a lot of people don't necessarily uh, associate those two. And then, so we start with THC and then now CBD, right? So THC is giving you the euphoric effect. CBD is, um, is working with your endocannabinoid system to work with your body in certain ways and a lot of healing benefits that, that, so people will follow us there. Flavonoids, there's really needs to be a lot more studies on flavonoids to really see, um, all the benefits that those, um, have. Are, are flavonoids unique to cannabis? Um, no, flavonoids exist in all plants as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, they do a lot with like the color of, of plants and everything like that. Um, and then, and then terpenes. And so then we talked about terpenes and then, you know, we, we tell them what I told you earlier about THC gives you the euphoric effects and then terpenes are really what drive the car. It really is what's going to get you in a creative space. It's really going to, um, give you different energetical levels. You know, I mean, people will say very broadly and energizing and sedative, but to me, there's body energizing, there's mind energizing, and then there's also degrees of that, that you can get into if you're really paying attention to it. And so, um, that's where we really steer them, um, to start opening up their mind about it. And then we open them up and we take them through a tasting. And so I actually take them through, you know, there's no proper way to taste cannabis. You can taste it however you want to, because you're obviously tasting it, but there's a special process that we take people into tasting cannabis. And so now they're fully focused on the strain that's in front of them and they're really diving into it. And you can see these light bulbs starting to click because they're like, oh, wow, yeah, I do smell that. You know, oh, wow, I do smell this. And then we start talking to them with how that may make them feel. Um, and then we serve them up some great fruit food that has layers of flavors that match the layers of terpenes that are in with the cannabis to harmonize them together. What's and the preferred way to consume the cannabis, you know, to, to experience that? So for us, what we do, I mean, it's old school. I mean, we, it's smoking, but we do pipe and a lighter and everyone has their, does their own tastings. And, and so we typically do a tasting together for those who choose. And we also started off like cannabis isn't for everybody. Like this isn't for everybody. And so I didn't like, what are your goals? check in with your body and then understand where you want to go. And we're here to guide you. And so, um, and so pipe and lighter also for a lot of the customers that we get, that's the preferred method because that's what they've seen. It's not intimidating to them. And so they, they really enjoy that. Um, you know, we can get healthier if we're using like hemp wicks and stuff like that and everything, which we want to at some point, but at the same time, we're still catching up mainstream America to, cannabis usage and so a lot of there's so much creativity we could take this but to me it's going to take a couple more years to even get the consumers up to par with how you can truly treat this plant people give people gifts all the time a bottle of wine yeah here's a good bottle of wine yeah when are we going to get to the point where it's normalized to give somebody a gift that's thoughtful too. craft cannabis that has, oh. you know, when you give somebody a bottle of wine, you usually put some thought into it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the same thing with, with cannabis. What, what, what has to happen to, for us to get there? Oh man. Well, um, well, I think people being more open with their loved ones about their cannabis usage and which is, which is opening up a lot. Like, um, I think, I mean, you did, you did a study for, I think Kentucky law or something. You said from the dark into the sun or, or from night into the sun yes. or, or whatever. Yep. And, and so I, I, and we don't have to go down the COVID train right now, but I think COVID has honestly helped this because I think people are going to come out of this being more of their authentic selves with sitting with them. And they're not going to be so worried about, um, what love, love, what loved ones perceive about, something like cannabis, obviously it being deemed essential is, is huge as well. But at the same time, you know, I think people just stepping into their own authenticity, ah, authenticity, um, and, um, and starting to enjoy that, you know, and, and it has been, we see it at the cannabis wedding expo and it's been growing. Um, our consumer base has been growing a lot and our participants have been growing a lot and people really enjoy that. Um, 
you know, it's getting something where you explain the terroir of it. You know, it's, it can't just be like, here's this nug. It's like, Oh, here's this that I got from here that was grown this way. That was, you know, and you present it in such a way. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, what are like an amazing gift? Like I'm going to, I'm going to consume this like during a special time. Like I'm going to hold this, I'm going to, you know, set it in my closet until a special occasion comes up. And we are starting to see that. And when are we going to see that? I mean, honestly, you know, with you guys and how many people you deal with in businesses, you guys might have a better idea about that than I do. No, it's, it's, it's definitely changing, but, uh, it's, it's just the idea of, you know, the service you provide, just the educational uh, part of it, but the, the experience, right? As human beings, we all just want to experience things. Mm -hmm. You know, people like good food, people like good wine, people like fine cannabis and, yeah. and sort of having a guide through that experience is, is really critical. I, w I do want to talk about the wedding expo, mm -hmm. uh, the cannabis wedding expo, because that's another just fascinating way that you really, you're, you're pioneering so many different things here, yeah. uh, which is just so cool how this industry is evolving. But here's a conversation I had with a client today. <laughs> this is about smokable hemp. So, you know, cannabis is cannabis. Of yep. course, hemp, uh, you know, most of our listeners know this. Hemp would just have less of the, t the active THC mm -hmm. ingredient. Uh, so it wouldn't produce the high, or at least in theory, doesn't produce yeah. the high. Um, so smokable hemp is a thing. Yeah. Um, how big that market is, really, it, it's hard to tell. And where mm -hmm. it's going is hard to tell. But there seems to be a frenzy around it. People yeah. like it, particularly in states where there's no legal form yeah. of cannabis, right? Yeah. Um, so the conversation we had today with someone who works for a tobacco company. Okay. And this person, you know, th their job is to test things, test all smokable forms of just about anything because they know what a pleasurable quote unquote smoking experience mm -hmm. is, or at mm -hmm. least that's the goal mm -hmm. of a company that does this. So the, the comment today was, uh, as I was there with one of my colleagues and we're sitting there saying that the terpenes really are the secret sauce. That's what makes a, a an enjoyable experience. This to particular tobacco executives experience was People don't like terpenes. Terpenes are are a turnoff. So it, it it it's it's jarring. It's like a it's like a punch in the face, uh, or it's 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 it, it's too much. And I disagree with that. And we had a conversation about that. Mm -hmm. So the idea, and it it's even goes back to you know the smell of of cannabis, the skunk smell of it, right? People smell that. That's nice. That's. Yeah. But other people smell that and go, what is that? Get that out of here. I don't like that. I don't want to, you know, that, that smell. Why do, you, why do you think there's there appears to be this sort of, you know, divide between terpenes? Terpenes are a turnoff versus terpenes are what make the whole experience come together. Yeah. yeah. Well, how heady do you want to get right now? <laughs> as heady as you <laughs> want, my friend. Well, um, so let's, um, let's focus on the smokable hemp flower. Because I do think that terpenes that are reintroduced to vaporizers, people can really just mess it up. And it is a big turnoff because it's like it's like a cologne where it's like, oh, my God, you have so much of that on. Like, get out of here, you know. And, that's and, a great, that's a great Yeah, thing. like I've worked with chefs that try to reintroduce terpenes into food. And it's just like, I mean, you have to use such a minute aspect of this potent oil. So so let's let's stick with smokable flour, right? And so I think we're – People, 
Um, all right. So are you familiar with Ayurveda? I'm going to use this as an example. There's a lot of paths we could go down to explain this, but I'm going to use Ayurveda because that's what's coming to my mind. So um, you're familiar with it, Bob. For those who are not, it's an Eastern science that basically um, encompasses lifestyle as much as – it's an. I'm sorry, it's a healthcare system from the East that incorporates lifestyle and your surroundings as much as it does as liver function, right, to understand the quality of your overall health. And so within that, they categorize people in kind of three different um, ways called the doshas. And so there's kapha, pitta, and vata, where kapha is grounded people, pitta are very fiery people, and vata are very airy people, right? And so um, within that, they likes, likes, likes. So people who are kapha and who might be more grounded people, they're not going to like very stimulating things. A lot of times they're not going to like coffee. You know, they're not going to like these things that really just perk them up because they're just really chill people, right? Where I'm, I'm, I'm pizza, I'm fire, right? So I'll drink five cups of coffee a day and like keep going, you know, and, and, and it just feeds me. And so if you think about it that way, with the cannabis aromas, you're nose can perceive how it's going to affect you and subconsciously know how that's going to make you feel. And so if you smell something that isn't going to give you the effect that you like, then you're not going to like that smell. And so while they might smell something that's really dirty with a lot of myrcene in it, you know, and someone who's very fiery, they're like, that smells awful. It smells like dirt and moss, you know, where the chill person's going to come in and be like, oh, wow. Like, that smells smooth, you know, and I, I want some of that. And so, you know, I don't know if this is what the tobacco executive was. You know, well, he obviously wasn't referring to Ayurveda. I mean, if he was like, go tobacco, like, <laughs> heck yeah, let's get there. But, um, you know, but, um, Maybe not. Maybe. But, but that can give you and I, I, you know, that I can literally talk to people about their lifestyle and then I can guess what they think their favorite smell is going to be with cannabis. And it's not always right, but a lot of the times it is right. And so that's how I, um, like to think about it is, okay, you don't like this smell. We'll go to something that's completely opposite of that and introduce that. And they're like, okay, maybe this is it. And then if, if that's not the smell, then find something in between. And so I think that, really starts diving into how intricate you can get with this plant medicine because this is a medicine and we don't need to think about medicines from a sick care system we need to start thinking about medicines from a therapeutic aspect and a lifestyle aspect because we can consume it you know i like to think of it more as a vitamin you know and, and or a tea you know because it's keeping you healthy like a vitamin and and you can use it like a tea or coffee to kind of change your you know your mood so, so we're talking terpenes here, and uh, what you're saying is terpenes speak to us too. It's it, it depending on what kind of person we are. It's that smell. It's that aroma. It's something that per perhaps uh, speaks to us. Um, and like you said, some people want a particular thing or not. Yeah. There's no one size fits all. But yeah. you know, it is an interesting perspective, particularly when you look at some of the methods we've seen. And mm -hmm. you know, again, there are the there are obviously downsides to the commercialization of the cannabis industry. Yeah. The idea that you know, some companies might just take biomass, yeah. grind it up, just so that it's, it creates an even smoke, not mm -hmm. taking the finest parts of the plant or the flower, uh, and then putting too much cologne in it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, that is that is a part of it. I mean, I've met with some, some tobacco execs 
probably three or four years ago. And um, I met him in New York City at an ArcView event when I spoke at ArcView. And then they happened to be going to Aspen for their launch. And so they, they pull up to my house in Frisco. It's a murdered out Escalade, black on black on black, five suits get out. And I'm in Frisco, Colorado, which you guys have been to Frisco before, you know? And, and so I'm like, all right, I guess this is big tobacco, you know? And then they, they come to me with their blend, their proprietary blend. And so they're like, you know, we want you to try it. And so I start trying it and I'm, I'm a very respectful person, but I'm also going to share my opinion with you, not in like a demeaning way, but like, no, this is what I am. This is, you know, this is my thoughts on it. And they just like... I was like, you know, I was like, this is what I think about it. And some of it was positive. Some of it wasn't. I understood where they were trying to go with creating the same experience, you know, the product that gives you the same experience every time. And, and you want to go smoke two or three of these, you know, cigarette joints or, or whatever, you know, during a social experience. But like you said, they're coming in and they're not taking the highest fruit from the plant. And that's one of the best parts about the cannabis consumers because I think they're seeing through that. Like, I think they want the quality of the fruit, you know, um, and, and they want the quality flower to come through, you know. And so for someone to create something that gives you the experience every single time and it's the same, I mean, that's going to be really, really difficult, although – you know, companies like Lowell out in California and stuff, they did a really good job with what they were doing with their blends, but they weren't trying to make it this proprietary blend. They're like 25% lemon skunk and 75%, you know, <laughs> blueberry kush. And, and so I think personally consumers want to see that because it's not, they're not being BS'd, you know, and, and as you guys have seen in this industry, there is a lot of BS, whether that's, they're trying to be, um, you know, I don't think they're trying to necessarily do it with bad intentions. They're just trying to think of some sort of concept that will be gimmicky that people want. But we need to just like slow the roll. Like this is a plant that's been used for thousands of years for many ways. And do we need to really change how we're consuming? Because it's worked for thousands of years. You know, this is working in, you know, our jazz era in the 1920s. You know, this has been working this whole time. And so for me personally, instead of trying to make the newest, you know, proprietary blend, like why don't we just get people to be more knowledgeable about this plant and they can, you know, weave in their way they want to use it, use it as they would like. No, that's, that's fascinating. So I, I want to get to the, the, the wedding expo, the cannabis wedding expo yep. uh, before we close out yep. here. Uh, and of course, COVID's impacted the world in a major way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our, Halston is getting married and you know, that, that plan, that, that change, that change, Eric, you're a young man. I presume, I don't presume anything, but someday you may or may not get married. Would you have imagined that cannabis would potentially be a somewhat normalized part of a wedding, um, in this country? No, I wouldn't have imagined a lot of things when I was getting, uh, disciplined, a, a decade ago for using cannabis as a uh, as a a sprouting young man uh, here in Denver and to just see everything change and evolve and uh, I don't know sitting sitting here and listening to you talk Philip I think what's what's interesting to me is when you go to a brewery or you go to a winery and you interact with these folks who they live and breathe these things it is their life it is their passion uh, they can explain to you at such complex levels and with such a 
an understanding that's rooted in science, but it tr they translate it just the way that you're translating these complex topics and concepts around the cannabis plant and these compounds and what it means to consumers. What does it mean to a, a lot of people out there? I can't wait until that becomes a more common thing in the cannabis industry because I just imagine these folks who who are coming to Colorado who haven't had who haven't had a lot of cannabis experiences and they they're interested in this tourism component uh, as we've talked about before this marijuana tourism and they come here and the the gatekeeper is the bud tender and you need that person to have the kind of knowledge that you have to share with somebody and the, the things you're talking about, who somebody is on a personal level, at a lifestyle level, it matters. It matters a lot for, uh, for everything. It, it, it goes way beyond cannabis. But I think just in our culture, uh, and especially here in the U.S., we do try to reduce things. We do have a, a bit of a reductionist. Uh, we live in a reductionist paradigm. How can we reduce things to the lowest common denominator? You talk about, you know, these companies and tobacco companies are, of course, a, a, an easy example of this, where they're just trying to do something and create a product that really isn't utilizing uh, the plant knowledge that you have. They're just trying to create something that's for everybody, and there are so many of us who want something that's more for our for us. Yeah. We don't. We we do want the the personal aspect more than just the. Uh, yeah, commercial aspect, or however you wanna, however you wanna characterize it. By the way, that, that's that's a great title for for something. We live in a reductionist paradigm. Yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> that's fantastic. It really is. But but uh, could you tell us, uh, we're 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 getting short on time here. But tell us uh, just a little bit about what inspired you to do the wedding expo and just what kind of response you've gotten from that. Yeah, so I've been in the industry since 2009. I opened up some of the first medical dispensaries in Colorado Springs whenever the regulations changed, and then I got introduced to the insulary side in 2013. Um, that was coming with legalization in 14, and whenever I thought of this concept, I was actually at a wine tasting in Barcelona. Um, you know, 10 days before dispensaries, recreational dispensary shops open. And I was like, this is how we tap into mainstream America. And I was so passionate. I gave away, gr I stopped growing because um, I was doing um, a lot with cultivation at the time, um, among some other things. And, um, and that really, you know, that, that was my calling. I was like, how do we tap into mainstream America within this plant and see the benefits of it? And so I started doing that. And, um, I founded Cannabis Wedding Expo with Bette Coop. And at the time, Bette Coop, who owns Irie Weddings and Events, she had Buds and Blossoms. So she actually started doing cannabis bouquets. And so as young entrepreneurs in 2014, we stayed in touch. You know, we tried to have each other's back. And I was talking to her in 2000, summer of 2015, and she was just like, man, you know, I'm trying to be a part of these expos, and none of these bridal shows are letting me be a part of it because of cannabis. And so I'm like, Bette you know, like we just got to, you know, take it with a smile on your face. We got to keep plugging away because I know those arenas of being told no. I've been told no thousands of times and in, in very awkward situations, you know, within people. But we have to keep putting ourselves out there. Right. And so that's the conversation we were on. And then she tells me the most predominant show here in Colorado, try to charge her double. And within half a second, I said, 
fuck them, let's start our own. <laughs> and that's exactly, I mean, it took me 0.5 seconds because right there we were being taken advantage of, right? I understand not getting a seat at the table and we got to keep doing the work. But once someone starts trying to take advantage of this and start taking over the plant, then to me the gloves are off and like, let's, let's do it. And so we kicked the idea around. I'm like, if we're going to do this, we, we just got to do it and see what happens. And we did the first one in January of 2016. Fox News and Vice News covered it. And what drives me in this industry is to see the light bulbs turn on people's heads. And that day, 300 people's light bulbs turn on their heads. And they're like, wow, this is like the most amazing event. And it's purposeful because we can get very gimmicky about weed weddings and stuff like that. But to me, we're offering services of um, venues that are cannabis friendly. And that's something that everyone has a hard time trying to find. And so, well, that, that, that that's something that, so there was a New York times article mm -hmm. about a wedding that happened here in Colorado. That, that wedding was one of my, our clients and a good ah, friend of ours. Yeah. And we had to deal with the wedding venue yeah. as lawyers in advance to talk about the fact that there was going to be this marijuana, yep. uh, you know, display and, and consumption and, you know, bouquets on the tables and it was an extraordinarily touchy subject mm -hmm. and ultimately they gave in because it was an expensive wedding yeah <laughs> but but to your point if you want to do this you can't just do it at any any location and and they had lawyers like yourself speaking to these guys imagine if it's the bride and the diy wedding trying to call and like um so we're gonna have marijuana like <laughs> yeah. and don't know the walls and then it's like they're like no you no, know no, and no. and and so so we have we you know we do that and you know i mean eric is a great man i've gotten to know him a little bit over some time and and so i i believe he'll be getting married one day and if he chooses to do so and i would imagine eric's gonna have a bud bar at his wedding and so where people can consume responsibly and to me that's not so some far-fetched idea to have a place that people can go and get a joint or get a hit packed for them take a puff go back on the dance floor and do the thing because Bob, I'm sure you went to weddings for a long time and you stepped out in the parking lot and did that right I there. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have some, I have some loved ones who would be, uh, yeah, they, they wouldn't come if there wasn't a bud bar. So no, if there wasn't one, they, they would, they, yeah, it's, uh, no, this is, this is permeating our culture and, uh, I don't want I this has been the day of trying to say terms and, and speak in different languages and just coming at it with humility. Uh, you are a was it PETA or PIVA? PETA or PIVA? For the Ayurvedic uh, oh, the fire uh, you're the PITA. PITA. You are indeed, Philip, the, the fire element in every way, shape and form. And you are just a, a beautiful force in everything that you are doing in this industry and uh I, I want you to be my butt tender. I also think I want you to be my spirit guide. Uh, <laughs> but that's a conversation for another time. We thank you so much for coming and being here with us today on the Hoban Minute. And, and you know, what else is there to say? No, that was great. Uh, Phil, thanks for, for coming around. And, and uh, as events pick up again, we'd love to have you on to talk more about the, the, the evolution of cannabis bars, bud bars at weddings. Yeah. Um, because uh, it's good to be on the front lines. And, and congratulations on your success. And just coming up with great ideas and living it and pushing it with passion, man. Mm. That's the way it goes. So wow. thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's an honor. You know, you guys have helped out so many people in this industry. And so um, it really takes a whole 
you know, a lot of people doing their parts and I'm just honored to be able to be doing my part for this plant um, within this industry. And I would love nothing more else than change everyone's relationship to cannabis, because if they have a mindful relationship to cannabis, I think they'll have a mindful relationship with everything in their life. And that's truly the opportunities that we're working with alongside with the hemp industry that can change the world um, to make it a sustainable world. Well, cannabis, I think, can change the world. Um to just change people's lifestyles. And so we're, we're blessed to be sitting here today. Not sure if it's going to change the world, but it's the only thing that can. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hoban Minute. Do you have any ideas for episode topics or guests? We would like to hear from you. Reach out to us at media at hoban.law and stay tuned for more on the Hoban Minute.